Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you guys are doing well. I'm in a very reflective mood today. I was talking about that on the private podcast, which I gotta say, the private podcast this week was fire just going to say, I talked about many recovery challenges, little things you could do. So loved it. I may even put a little sample of it in here at the end. So stay till the end and you might get a little, a little bonus lesson for the private podcast, but I don't know. So I just like it anyway, but I'm feeling reflective today of saying on the private podcast, I took the morning to just kind of not rush into things, not check my phone right away. Did a little morning meditation on my walk with my dog. Got the walk with my dog in before my day started, which was nice. Took time for myself before starting work. And I have unexpected free time today, which is nice too. Just things to look forward to. And I always love a day where I can get to be pretty creative and just focus on creating content and helping people. And I just spent a lot of time journaling this morning about why I want to do what I want to do. And some of the reasons are me. They're about me. But I just was remembering the reason I started all this, which was to help people, right? And it is like I, I was talking to a client, which I wanted to re- re- read what she wrote me, but I just finished working with this client that I was working with for a long time. And her life, of course, she made a lot of those changes in her life. I'm not trying to say that it was only me, but if I hadn't started the podcast, I don't know what that person's life would have looked like or if it would have changed in the way it would have if it hadn't been for me starting the podcast a long time ago and recovering and all these things. So it just, it's been a full circle moment. There's been a lot of like ending of certain relationships and starting new ones and starting new goals and all that sort of stuff. And it's just been a good time in my life recently, even though it's been hard, but transformative. Anyway, so that's why I'm in a reflective mood. That convoluted statement to start out with. But today I wanted to talk about Three recovery lessons that I'm planning on teaching for the pause retreat. I'm doing a lot of planning for that right now. For those of you guys that don't know, I am hosting a retreat in Mexico, San Pancho, Mexico, August through 3rd through the 7th. It's going to be a small, intimate, private luxury retreat on this beautiful retreat center, the Ocho Experience. And I'm just really excited. So it's going to be really nice. I'm going to be focusing with the people there on recovery nourishing their bodies and souls, really giving them time and space to feel their feelings, go through urges and teach them what it's like to take care of themselves, you know, and we're going to have open group discussions, all those things. It's just going to be wild, really excited, but nervous because I've never done a retreat before, but I'm excited. If you want more information about that, you can go to bingebreakers.com slash pause retreat. And if you are really, really excited about it, but you have some hesitancies too, you can always book a consult on that page that are retreat specific and we can talk about it, see if it's the right fit for you. However, I'm planning for the retreat, right? And I was thinking a lot about the lessons I wanted people to learn. And since it'll be a small retreat, there'll be freedom for us to kind of guide the group group conversations, depending on who's there and what their needs are. But I do want to have some lessons prepared and certain core principles 
woven into the retreat. And so I already kind of did a podcast about this, about three things I'm hoping that they'll leave with when I talked about that. But I also want to talk this one about the lessons I plan on teaching and why they're important to your recovery. So sit back, relax. I hope that whether you're going to a treat or you're just listening in your own life, you can apply these things to your recovery today or help you think differently about how you're approaching your recovery. So the first thing I really want to teach people, and a retreat environment is a perfect place to do this, but you can do it at home too, is urges, feelings, discomfort. They are indicators. They're not things to be fixed. Of course, I'm not saying you have to be at level 1000 anxiety 24-7 and you shouldn't try to fix that. If you're feeling that anxious all the time, of course, something's probably causing it and you might need to consider changing, I don't know, your caffeine intake, what's going on in your life, your stress, go to the doctor, talk about medication, those sorts of things. However, even if you're performing at an optimal level in life, there are always going to be uncomfortable feelings and it's not normal to be happy all the time. Like people that are happy all the time, they're sociopaths. Like, I don't know what they're doing, but there's something going on. They have like people that they've murdered in their basement. It's just creepy. You don't want to be happy all the time. There's things that are going on in life that you want to be sad about, but moving through different emotions is a vital skill to have in life. And it's quite normal, but I think bulimia, what we do with it, at least it was, this was bulimia for me and the people that I help tend to be the same. They use bulimia to numb themselves from the emotions that they're feeling. Whether it be just the desire to binge and purge itself, which they have made into a habit. And now when they don't, they don't acknowledge or they don't fulfill that habit want, that desire, they feel bad. And so they're they're eating literally to cover up the desire to binge and purge and just repeating the same cycle. But oftentimes also they're they're numbing themselves with with the binging and purging to something that they don't like in their lives, to an uncomfortable feeling, to anxiety, to whatever it is. Food becomes a coping tactic for many of us when we're very young. I remember the first ways that I really comforted myself solo were with food, which I didn't pick up on. It seems so innocent, you know, and it can be innocent. But growing up, I think a lot of times I turned to food for comfort when I was isolated or when I was upset or things like that. I didn't realize it. So the, the seed is sown pretty young, but feelings and emotions, they're indicators, they're signals in our body that something's going on. And when you numb them, when you cover them up, you don't really figure out what's going on. Of course, you should cope and you should find better ways to cope. You should find better ways to decompress and release those emotions, but you do need to also listen to them. I just did a coaching call with my coach actually on Sunday, and I hadn't had someone do this with me for a while, but coaches need coaches too. Coaches need therapists too. People that are helping people need people to help them too. Just want to make that very clear. If you're working with someone who thinks they need no help, that's a bad sign. But the person, I was feeling all this emotion and anxiety, and they walked me through an exercise. They could sense that I was feeling judgment for that anxiety too. And they walked me through an exercise of just feeling the emotion, right? Of just inviting it in, describing it and understanding what it's there to tell me, right? And when I could finally embrace and stop resisting that emotion, it taught me a lot about my life. And that's what a lot of people need to do with bulimia. When you're wanting to binge and purge, maybe it's just the habit of binge and purging, but maybe there's something else there. Maybe there's a reason you keep turning to food. And if you constantly turn to food, you can never figure out what it is. So bringing that to you, I want to teach people on this retreat 
how to not only feel their emotions, but what their emotions could be telling them. And that emotions, however uncomfortable, are survivable. They're vibrations in your body. And then they can actually be quite an, an important experience for you to go through. And if you can stop immediately reacting with your pitchforks, trying to get the emotion out of your body as soon as possible, and instead kind of welcome it in with curiosity, almost like a foreign, I was talking about this with a client the other day, we were describing her anxiety as like a little alien in her home that she, she needed to kind of comfort and be like, hey, it's all good. What do you need? I'm like, what's going on? But just kind of inviting that emotion in, getting curious with it and seeing if you can just feel it for a minute maybe two minutes, maybe three. And if you can just make room for that emotion instead of trying to push it out immediately. And in that, you can find a lot of things. I think it was Brooke Castillo that said, discomfort is the currency to your dreams. And she was really right. People think when they hear this, like, why the hell would I want to feel this emotion? What the fuck is the benefit? Well, one benefit is that you learn what's really going on. When you're just numbing things out, You'll never really figure out who you are and what you truly want, or you just mask what you truly want and you bury it down deep. And then also when you you feel the things that you need to feel, right, you become a lot less tolerant to them. <laughs> you become a lot less tolerant to the bullshit that's causing you so much discomfort. A lot of things changed when I, when I stopped binging and purging. I quit a job I wasn't really happy in. I started this podcast, all the things. I started being more active in my environment and social life because I was isolated. I tried many different things. I changed my life completely. My creativity came out again. The me, the leader that I was came out, which wasn't really there with bulimia. I just a total lack of confidence. My relationship improved. All these things that I wasn't quite satisfied with my life changed once I stopped numbing them out. And so it was only, I needed to tolerate the discomfort of it for me to be motivated to change. But because I was constantly using food and yeah, just food, binging and purging, I was never motivated because I always had kind of a band-aid I could put over it. But when you remove the band-aid and there's this gaping wound, you actually have to treat it then. You actually have to figure out what's wrong and fix it. So that is the benefit. Discomfort really is the currency to your dreams. If you can learn how to feel it, you can learn how to change. The second thing that I want to teach is to pay attention and nourish your body and how that can make an impact on yourself. And when I say nourish your body, People think of, oh, she's just going to tell me to eat food and eat properly and eat healthy and blah, 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 blah. Yes, that is part of it. It really is important to take care of and nourish your body with food and sleep and basic needs. But I'm not just talking about that. I'm like nourishing your soul is really what I'm talking about. Paying attention to what you want, what you need, what really is something that whoever you are listening, that you constantly think about, but you never acknowledge, that you never give yourself permission to even dare to dream about. I'm talking about paying attention to those things. On the retreat, taking care of your body in terms of food is such a like basic, important skill that teaches you how to love yourself. But if you can do that, I think you need to do that with your mind and body, your mind and soul as well. And so what I mean for that is on the retreat, I want to show people what it's like to shift the perspective from constantly trying to control every single aspect of their life, constantly trying to like fit themselves into this stupid mold that they don't even know how they got there, but this is the mold that they want to try to fit into. And instead, start listening, like be actual good listeners to ourselves. We're great listeners with everyone else but ourselves, but really sit down, pay attention. And it's like, what is it that you fucking want? 
What is it that you want to change? What is it that you need? Are you hungry? Are you full? Do you hate what's going on in your life right now? Do you want to change? Do you need to alter some things? What is it that you want, right? So it's not just listening to your hunger and satiety cues, which we will work on. It's really listening to every single cue in your body and actually then honoring them, right? Not just listening and ignoring and shoving it down with food and stuff like that, but truly listening and acknowledging, validating, and then honoring. It sounds so simple and woo, and it goes along with what I was just saying with the binging and purging, but people with bulimia, we're just so good at just minimizing our needs, throwing ourselves under the bus the first chance we get, and then wondering why we're freaking out at four in the morning, four in the afternoon or 10 p.m. at night, ravaging the kitchen and then wondering what's wrong with us. It's because we're never really acknowledging what we want and binging and purging becomes the only way that we can do that. And again, this isn't everyone. Like Sometimes it's just from restriction. Sometimes it's just from some trauma. I don't know. But a lot of times the people that I work with, it's a common theme that they never, ever really truly take care of themselves. They never dare to let themselves dream. They never dare to give themselves what they want. And then lo and behold, food becomes the substitute. So when we're taking away these behaviors, it's going to be equally important for them to listen to what they want in terms of physical needs, sleep, food, hydration, and then in terms of soul needs, wants, dreams, hopes, and desires. I want them on the retreat to actually be a little kid again and dream and and think about what they want in their life, you know, and like almost play for a little bit and enjoy that hopefulness and dreaming and daydreaming. So yeah, if you are at home, I think this could be a potential good exercise for you. Really just sit down and be like, what is it that I want? What is it that I know I want, but I never let myself think about? And just thinking about it doesn't mean you have to do it, right? Like some people are actually scared to think about the things they truly want because then they think they'll have to change it. But you have to start somewhere. You have to acknowledge it. And maybe when you actually think through it, you realize it's not what you want and you're actually really happy with your life. But maybe there's things to be changed. And I want to teach that on the retreat that when you actually stop trying to control and fit yourself into this mold and instead you sit back and start listening to yourself and then acknowledging it, life gets a whole lot easier and a lot more fun. That's what happens. Okay, and then the third lesson is going to be very simple, very straightforward, is that I want people to know it's always possible and that they are capable of mind-blowing things. And I'm hoping, one, that I'll give them proof on this retreat by them them actually experiencing their recovered selves and what they can do and what's possible when they take care of themselves and live behavior-free. But also, I want to teach them that it's really about them continually believing and choosing to believe. I'm not a religious person. I grew up in a really very religious household, but I think faith is a beautiful thing in a lot of ways. So for those out there that practice actively a religion, I have such admiration for you because you practice believing in some core values. And even though I'm not religious, I do practice believing in my core values. I believe in, you know, science, all those things that is a religion in itself, right? I believe in certain ways that the world works. And ultimately, something that's scary but freeing is that we really don't know how the world works. We don't know why we're here. We don't know everything. But to gain some semblance of sanity, we choose to believe in specific things. Some of us put our values into religion. Some of us put our values into science. Some of us put our values into... I don't know, but they they put it into like mindfulness. I'm not sure. 
But whatever you put your value into, it's a choice, right? It's you actively choosing to believe in that every single day. And I want people in the retreat to know that believing in themselves is a choice and that they can choose it every single day. And when they actually show up believing in themselves, that that it is possible, things change for them. If I didn't believe that this retreat wasn't going to be life-changing, then no one would show up and it'd be totally awful because I didn't even give it a chance. Because I'm believing that this retreat is going to be an amazing healing thing for the people that get to attend and myself. I'm showing up with it full throttle and doing everything I can to make it amazing. And if I didn't, if I never believed recovery was possible, I never would have tried. And then none of this would ever be happening. For you, you need to believe that it's possible and that you are capable of mind-blowing things. And I want to teach them how to look for evidence in their own life that they are capable of it so that they can keep furthering that belief in themselves and then keep trying towards it and building more and more evidence as time goes on. But belief is fundamental to everyone's recovery. Belief that you can change, that you're a human being capable of recovery, that it's totally possible for you and much more is possible for you too. Recovery is only the start, right? No matter how old you are, there's always an opportunity to reinvent yourself and create many more mind-blowing experiences for your life and, and peaceful serenity experience, happiness experience, whatever it is you're looking for, that is possible for you. And I want people in the retreat to know that and know how important it is to carry the belief every single day and choose over and over and over again that it is important for them. And I want you to know that too. Like believing in yourself is an active choice. Sometimes it's hard, Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's easy to believe in yourself. But on the days where it's hard, I want you to try to make a choice to choose to believe in yourself and try for that. Okay. I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this useful, a little behind the scenes for you on my lesson making things. But I really enjoyed recording today's episode and I'm really enjoying planning for this retreat. And I'm really enjoying making content for you. I've been doing this podcast for three years now, which is wild to think about. But I'm so appreciative of everyone that shows up and listens and without you, I couldn't do what I do. And it really is a privilege and honor to work with the people that I've worked with and to just be in your ears every week. And the fact that you listen to me, that is a privilege that I don't take for granted. So thank you. All right. Never give up on yourself, my friends. Binging is kind of just like I wasn't even in my body anymore. I was disassociating all these things and my mind was going a million miles per hour and food was the only way I could anchor myself. But pausing can anchor yourself too. And during the pause, you could focus on a few different things. You could focus on just simple breathing techniques, right? Breathing in for two or for four seconds holding it for four seconds, breathing out for six seconds, holding it again and repeating as much as needed. You could also consider doing like a feeling exercise, describing the feeling of urge that's going around you. You could simply just describe what's happening around you, right? And how you're feeling in the moment. It'd be like, I'm here. I'm in my kitchen. I'm standing on the ground. My feet are here. This is in front of me. And the purpose again is to help you get out of your head and into the world that you're in. And in that moment, you can find some peace and then make a decision. And even if after the pause, you decide to do something that's maybe not in your best interest, you decide to binge, you decide to purge, whatever it is, you have then put in a new habit of, I have this intense feeling or trigger or whatever it is. And instead of immediately reacting, I'm taking a moment to process before I continue on. And that is where you build so much fucking power because you realize I have a choice in the matter 
I have some sort of control in the matter. I can choose to do different things, even if I'm choosing to binge. There is potential here. There's possibility. So I think the best mini challenge you can do in your recovery is to pause for two minutes, doing what we just suggested during urges, or if you just want to make a habit of practicing pausing daily. There's this thing called walking meditation. And that's what I did this morning. I didn't just sit and meditate. I actually listened to the meditation on my way to get coffee with my dog and walk around. And the purpose of it is, is to practice meditating when you're in motion, when you're flowing around. Because in life, it, like, of course, it's nice to meditate and stay seated and sit down and have everything perfectly aligned. And I feel like that's what the pause retreat will be in a lot of ways. It's just we're giving people a perfect environment to recover in. It's safe. It's peaceful. There's no stress going around. There's nourishment in terms of mind, body, and soul. That's what the pause retreat will be. But in your daily life, you can't just sit and meditate. You have to be going. Maybe there's kids to take care of, a dog, work to do, appointments. Some of your car is breaking down, whatever. You need to be able to do active meditation and need to be able to practice doing it so and, and during active time so that when you need it during an active time, say when a binging purchase a binge of purchase happening, you will be prepared. And so the benefit of pausing and practicing the pause, even when you don't need it, is that when the, the occurrence arises, you will actually be more prepared and know what to do. Practicing it beforehand. It's like you're doing a simulation plane ride before you actually ride the plane, drive the plane. So this could be an amazing, amazing mini challenge.